Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and God bless you for matriculating into tonight's edition of Springboard of Virtual University. Springboard is a multimedia educational and personal development intervention, the biggest and the most consistent of its kind running since August 2008. We are live on Joy 99.7 FM and on Facebook, streaming digitally on Albert and E. Okran. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstition, Joy 99.7 FM. We are proudly sponsored by EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank and MTN Ghana's number one network. Our print media support comes from the Business and Financial Times and the Graphic Business, and I recommend both business newspapers to you. In tomorrow's edition of the Business and Financial Times, you will find an article on influence versus intuition. Influence versus intuition, which is more critical for business success. And that is called from the book 101 Keys to Achievement and Fulfillment. Influence, intuition, which would you rather have? Tuesday's graphic business will, as usual, have a full transcription of tonight's interview. Our technology support comes from Dream Oval, as always. Tonight, on behalf of the Virtual Academic Board, Superintendent over by, over by Comfort with support from Matthew, Priscilla, and Amos. Let me thank you for joining us on Joy 99.7 FM. Tonight, we take our Digital Revolution series to an exciting field of media and advertising. How have technology, new media, and latest practices combined to transform the advertising landscape that we've known over the years? Let me just roll back to a couple of decades ago, or maybe three decades ago, and the media and advertising landscape was dominated by a few noticeable giants like AP Linters, Media Magic and Research Systems, and a few other oligopolies with larger-than-life characters like Jake Otanka, Obechebi Lamte, Gadilai, and others being the dominant players. Traditional media forms like television, billboards, and print advertising were the main platforms deployed before the advent of even private radio as we know it today. As we look back at three decades or two decades ago, we realized that the industry has undergone a number of phases and a 360-degree metamorphosis. Where are we today? Statisticians say advertising spending and consumption are shifting from TV to online and spe- specifically to mobile online. Facebook online ad- advertising revenue is growing faster than Google's and as it turns out, ads on Facebook drive direct purchases. Where does that leave us? Someone said TV took a number of years to hit certain kinds of numbers in advertising and the internet is just driving those in a short while. To help us break down this discussion today, we want to find out where are we today on this landscape? What are we doing and what is the composition? What is the breakdown? What are the key drivers of the media and communications landscape? My guest for tonight, Bright Lajipo, is the CEO of PH Media, PhD Media Ghana, a fast-growing media agency in Ghana, and he will help me understand where are we, where have we been, and where are we going. Bright, good to see you, and welcome to Springboard. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. Well, it promises to be a very interesting discussion. This is a subject that we are very, very interested in, and what we've been trying to do over the past few weeks is just ask ourselves, how has technology changed every industry that we interface with. So we've looked at fashion, we've looked at um, sports, particularly football, we've looked at um, banking, we've looked at different healthcare, we've looked at at, um, everything we can think about. And today we are focusing on advertising and, and particularly our consumption of communication just to see how technology and and um, new practices have changed the landscape. So let me take you back. And it said that the first TV advert was aired in 1941 and the first Internet advert in 1994. And the Internet took only 24 years to disrupt and outpace 
the 76-year-old TV advertising industry, making it almost three times faster and more agile. Bright, what, how far have we come in terms of the transformation of the industry? Well, thank you very much. Uh, before I answer the question, let me take the opportunity to commend you on um, the educational content you're providing. Um, media is supposed to inform, educate, and entertain. But I think largely on the Ghanaian scene, media landscape, we see a lot more of just the information and the entertainment. And we leave out the educational bit. And I'm, I must cons- commend you uh, immensely for your contribution um, in educational content. Thank you so much. Uh, we, we've come a long way. Um, I've been in the industry for two decades now, and it's been an exciting um, era that we have been in, seeing a lot of transformation. If you didn't see the past back then, like you referred to, um, and you, you see today, you cannot appreciate how fast, far come, yeah. how far we've come or how fast we've come in this short space of time. So, Digital is driving a lot of transformation and is powered by technology. And the interesting thing is that we human beings and society are the ones that are making demand on all the scientists and the engineers that are driving technological development. And so we've come from myths to now talk about metrics. You you put out a lot of numbers and measures. And when you have TV stations that you can count at your fingertips. You do not really need to do a lot of analytics. You just have to do a little bit of rationalization, and you are out there, and you have achieved your results with just five channels, TV, four channels on radio, two channels on print, and you're fine back then. That was 20 years ago, and if you like, you can add cinema to it, and you should be fine, and you should achieve your targets. But today, it's far more complicated because of three main key areas. Devices, and you, you alluded to mobile devices. We'll get into it in more detail. Data, and then disruption. So the devices in our hands today that we keep 24 hours beside ourselves are collecting a lot of data, extracting a lot of data, pretty much like mining is. And that data goes into fueling disruption. So if you look at it, Today, there's a blurring of the lines between a professional video cameraman and an amateur video cameraman. So I can hold my iPhone and take video that is as good for news content as the one holding HD camera. Because of the speed and the agility of the technology of that device, it's possible that that gets onto a news platform faster than the one who took the one with the video camera has to edit it and so on and so forth. So devices have driven a lot of the change in the last 20 years or so. And it's been very, very fast because today, for example, on radio, you do not only listen to radio with a radio set, you listen through apps as well. Let me just take advantage of this break to just inform our listeners that we we are live on Joy 997 FM on, on Facebook. And so you can find us on Joy FM's Facebook page in addition. And so just be part of this experience. And greetings to you all the way watching from, uh, from Boku and, and thanking us for making it available to you all over the nation and all over the world. You can watch this show on Joy 997 FM on Facebook. And the discussion is about media. And uh, even more importantly about the uh, communication landscape and our consumption of material and how new media, uh, new technologies and new patterns of consumption have transformed the landscape as we knew it. My guest is Bright Lajakpo and is the CEO of PhD Media Ghana. Bright is saying we've come a long way and the major driver of this change is is technology or, or devices that have given us access and that also fuel disruption and the devices also gather data. Let me just take you back one step. And, Bright, uh, not too long ago we had a discussion about whether technology is an enabler or a disruptor. And depending on where you are on the landscape, depending on whether you are excited about these developments or scared about the prospect of these developments, you will see technology as a friend or a fool. Where do you stand on that that debate, especially with regards to the media landscape? Technology is an enabler, and it creates new opportunities. 
So it's for us to tap those opportunities and make the most of them rather than resist them or pretend that it is not an enabler or it's fighting against what we are comfortable with. So I, I stand on the side that technology is an enabler and creates new opportunities. Right. It makes us better. Right. Yesterday I was trying to catch the championship playoff. I love soccer. Everybody knows that. So yesterday I was trying to find the... I knew where to find the Champions League final, but I was looking for the championship playoff. And I just decided to scroll through the stations. And I was amazed at the sheer number. I just kept going on and on and on before I finally found the station that had it had it running. And I just couldn't believe that we have so many TV stations in this country. And I was wondering, <laughs> do they get people to watch them? And do they get, do they get content uh, to drive them? But let me ask you, you, you've worked over the years with several marketing directors, brand managers to develop and implement strategies. And so when you sit with them today in 2018 and they are making choices about platforms, what informs the choices and where do you see the strength of those choices going in terms of preference? So the choices that are the most measurable are the ones that are most preferred. Right. Because you are moving away from just not effectiveness but also to efficiency. So the example I use is that don't just take me from one place to another but get me there as efficiently as possible with the least amount of money. So because there is fragmentation, which you've alluded to, the audiences are so fragmented that you need to manage the resources as a marketing director or as a brand manager at your disposal to be able to efficiently deliver your communication at the best time or at the right time that you can get those audiences to develop your empathy for the, your brand or for the affinity that you want to achieve or the level of awareness that you want to attain. So the, the channels that are the most measurable channels are the ones that are getting the most money because then we're looking at efficiency. We have metrics like cost per rating points. How much does it cost you to buy one rating point on radio and TV? So if you cannot measure the cost per point for a particular channel, then that channel is not measurable enough for you to put more of your money there. So you don't find sentimental reasons driving decisions anymore. It's no more, it's no more sentiment. It's no more a feeling that this is a good, a good platform. There must be some measurable metrics for you to say, put the money here. It's not enough to have a good gut feeling about what you want to do. It's important to be able to say, because of this number or measurement, then when we put this amount of money, we are getting this amount of outcome. Right. It's interesting you talk about gut feeling because I mentioned an article about influence versus intuition and you smiled when I mentioned intuition. And that's just simply gut feeling. That feeling that you just can't explain that tells you this thing has promised and it's, a, it's an opportunity. And so take a look at it. Let me come to demographics and ask you a question, Bright. Do, do you, for instance, find that if you have female clients, there is a particular medium or channel that you are likely to use to reach them? If you were, if you had male clients, a product that has predominantly male clientele versus a product that has predominantly female clientele, educators, which which channels would you put? For instance, the the product that has predominantly male clientele on. And if I'm talking about, okay, let me give you the same age bracket. Let's see, um, 18 to 35. If if they were, it, were, it was male dominated, where would you put it? And if it's female dominated, where would you put it? So when you say channels, I, I guess you're talking about whether you're looking at radio, TV, print, digital. Just educators. So, okay. for instance, so, multimedia has different channels. We are there on radio. We are there on television. We are online. We are everywhere. But just for the benefit of the person listening out there, I mean, whichever channel they choose, we can supply it. But the critical thing is where, where would you put or where would you find typically... Decision, making, um, decision makers putting their, their, their money if they are looking for a particular demographic bracket. So I would introduce an element of micro-channel right. being driven by content. So TV can deliver both male and female audiences, but right. it's the content on the right. TV channel that delivers the agenda that you want to focus on. So you have to have the numbers. You have to have the survey data analyze that data to speak to it. I spoke earlier on about myths and metrics. There's a lot of myths about the fact that just because a show is 
having female participants or female panel or discusses female topic oriented topics it would attract a lot more of the females and so for that matter you you you'd call something maybe brand affinity or affinity for the product and people would tend to think that automatically just because there's a lady show host and there are ladies on the show a lot more of the women will listen or will watch what, for, what does the data suggest the data is more broad so for example there was a show that we thought that because it's female oriented we could put a female brand there we did the numbers and ranked top 10 programs that women watch in that age bracket and that program didn't make the top 10. other mainstream programs like news rather had more women listening or watching it and so if if you if you don't do the numbers you can be swayed wrongly I can assure you, Bright, you don't need any statistics to tell you about Champions League or about football. The men will watch. That, that's the, the extreme. And then you don't need any statistics to tell you that the telenovela will be dominated by females. Right. But there are shows that we tend to think that if you're looking for the shows that most numbers are driving or driven to, and it's a particular agenda, you can assume without looking at the numbers. And when you look at the numbers, it may slightly sway differently. I'm going to come to I'm going to come to age differences and and then religious and other other issues that drive communication and and, and choices. But if you just joined us, we're trying to understand how people buy, what drives their decisions, how people consume media, what 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 determines where you will find them, and this discussion will benefit not just the buyers but even the consumers, the users, the everyone, every stakeholder in this value chain. So if you're listening to us tonight, you're trying to find out, are we looking for putting the right place or we are putting our money there and nothing is happening there? And it's very important because there's a difference between uh, you, you believing that something will work and you getting the actual results. And Bright is saying that let's move away from the myths and let's look at the reality. And one myth he has debunked is the notion that because a particular gender hosts a program, definitely it would be marketable to that particular gender. So let me ask you a question, Bright. Apart from this myth about about gender and attraction in terms of hosting and involvement, which other myth would you like to debunk on this on, on, on the landscape? The myth that it's more expensive to advertise on TV than radio. It's wrong because when you look at the metrics, there's a metric we, talk, we call cost per thousand. If you look at the cost per thousand analysis, it shows clearly that the cost per thousand for TV is lower than the cost per thousand for radio. And the reason is that when we watch TV, we watch TV in narrower bands. 45 minutes of football and there's break. 30 minutes of um, a telenovela and there's a break for tomorrow. Um, 45 minutes of maybe a movie or an hour of a movie and there's a break. Within that hour, 45 or 30 minutes, a lot of eyeballs are delivered. Compare that to a radio show, which is a two-hour minimum or four-hour in some cases. People step in and step out. They get out of their cars and they're no more listening to the radio. So you find out that what we call ratings, the ratings that we have, cost divided by the ratings, is a metric. If you measure that metric, you find that the efficiencies delivered by TV is very high. And in markets like ours, TV drives more reach and is a primary driver of reach. Now, digital is even adding incremental reach with online video. Right. So we plan for reach mainly with TV first. Radio drives engagement and interaction and reminders rather than reach. So, so you find out that th these are some of the myths because the cost per unit of an advert on radio is cheaper does not mean that it is more efficient for your delivery of the most important job that your money should do for you as an advertiser so what value added service what added feature brings that 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 value that that you seek in a situation like this so is it a content is it the creativity is it, is it the innovation what is it beyond all these broad strokes what is it that what is what is the game changer in situations like this so if you talk about the efficiency of a particular channel you're talking about how that channel delivers meaningful communication because today the audiences have shorter attention spans. Right. So if video delivers more meaningful communication and more memorable, recall rate is higher, it's more efficient 
for you to put things video. That's why video is really driving a lot of reach on Facebook, on YouTube, on TV. Radio delivers another kind of reach at another kind of level. And it's optimal before it drops into diminishing returns. And you cannot do anything about it. It's lower than TV in our market. Right. Let me come to age age differences and ask you, what, what are the young people consuming? And, and if you had a product that is targeting people, uh, let's say, below the age of 25, maybe 20, 16 to 25, thereabouts, or, or maybe let me narrow it a, a bit more, 16 to 21, uh, where, where should you be found? Where should you be? So the 16 to 24-year-olds are the ones driving social media. Right. Digital is where to get them. Their attention span is very, very short. And they like more engagement, more interaction. Um, they are very gregarious. They are social. Um, and so they want to be heard and to be seen. They are building their identities. Um, they want to associate with peers. They want to listen to their peers. They want to get advice from their peers. Um, they want to be appreciated by their peers. So digital delivers the optimal space for, for young people. Right. So... I presume that it's not just every medium has the way information must be packaged to be effective there. One of the, the worst things you can do is choose the right channel, but package your message wrongly. I'm, I'm imagining that, for instance, you can go with old school style packaging to a new media platform and you will be there in name, but absent in impact. So let me ask you, I'm still staying with the, with the digital, with the mobile, uh, social media platforms, and so on. For, for communication to be effective in those spaces, what must be present? Because you find that these days, I mean, on the positive note, you will find that, that churches, like political parties, like hardline manufacturing, like service companies, like the small um, small business person are all communicating on social media. Which ones are effective? What should you do to be effective in that space? So it depends on what you are looking to achieve. If you're looking to achieve reach, making sure that people see at least once what you're putting out, it's, it's pretty simple. You follow where you can deliver reach. If it is digital space, definitely Facebook is the driver of reach in the digital space, i.e. social media. If you're looking for engagement and interaction, digital space delivers that within the social media space as well. And if you're looking for people to attend an event where you need to remind them you want to start from where maybe they search for the event or use keywords that they search for to deliver an advert banner on digital platforms to them, remind them on radio, remind them in the newspapers, and then follow them through to be able to make sure they register perhaps online to be able to deliver the results of the event that you want them to attend. So back to the question of churches, politicians, and so on. It depends on what you want to achieve. If you want people to vote for you because of a certain um, philosophy or because of a certain uh, communication that they would like, you need to know who you are talking to and be able to tailor make that to them specifically. You need to understand the psychology of the person. There's a lot of data. Facebook IQ, for example, has a lot of data at the back end. So if you harvest a lot of that data, you should be able to know how to position your communication in the right channel to be able to reach your target audience, achieve the, the, the definite result that you, you set out to achieve. It is 28 minutes past the hour of 7 o'clock. If you just joined us, this is Springboard of Virtual University, and we are discussing the consumption of communication materials, and my guest, Bright Lajipo, the CEO of PhD Media Ghana, helping us to understand how consumption patterns have changed. When I come back, I'm going to tell you how many Ghanaians are on social media, how many Ghanaians are on the internet, what, which particular 
social media platform is the number one, the number two, the number three, as at January 2018. And what does that mean for you as an individual? But this exciting discussion is brought to us by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, and MTN, the nation's number one network. Springboard is put together by Joy 99.7 FM and Legacy and Legacy. We're talking about the consumption of communication, media, material, and I have on the line... I have on the line now Oye Kumoji, who is a social media consultant and works with the Blue Palm Consultancy, and she's an educator about social media. Now, Oye, good evening. Good evening, Rev. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks for making time to be with us on the on the on the show today. We are talking about your favorite or your pet subject, social media. How big? How big is social media in Ghana? Social media in Ghana has, you know, grown so fast. It's really incredible how how fast it's grown, like over the a period of two years. Because I know as of 2016, we had about four million people um, online, you know, on social media, and 2016 data, you know, that's old. So imagine three years after, we have much, much more. The growth has been immense in terms of, especially Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram. These are the top three um, social media you know, accounts or platforms that Ghanaians, you know, have signed up for, you know. And in terms of uh, marketing, it's really huge because more businesses, especially small businesses, are now building their businesses on um, social media. They don't have to incur the, you know, the usual business costs of um, setting up a business. You know, they just create an Instagram account and then instantly they are selling and the interesting thing is people are buying, you know. I, I know a couple of brands that have, you know, even if they have a 1,000 followers, they are selling on, on social media. You know, um, it's now gone beyond just organizations that have, you know, huge followings on their Facebook, etc. You know, businesses are now um, adapting and they are understanding um, how to use social media to sell their products and their services. It is, it, is, it is estimated that 10.1 million Ghanaians are using the Internet, representing 35% of our population of 29 million. And it's also indicated that the, the, the estimated number of Ghanaians on social media is 5.6 million active social media users. And WhatsApp leads the pack with 30%, followed by Facebook, 28%, um, YouTube, 15%, Facebook Messenger, 15%, and Instagram, 12%. Now, you, what does this, this mean for that person doing, you do a lot of events. So let me break it down. Beyond talking about preference, if somebody is doing an event and they say we want to use social media to promote the event, just give us some tips about the approach. What should they do? Because just being on social media is not enough. What should mm-hmm. they do to get the results that they, they require or they desire? Well, for example, if you are planning an event, you know at least two or three months before that this event is going to happen. You need to integrate both your traditional marketing and your social marketing um, tools together. So it's not just social media, but then the traditional marketing, we mustn't forget about. The fact that, you know, social media has taken up, you know, the space and that's where the conversations are happening. Anyone who wants to, you know, um, launch an event or they are planning a product launch through that event, they have to integrate both traditional and social media. Okay. Uh, Help me understand, when you say integrate, I mean, for the benefit of our listeners, how does that integration happen? So, for example, if you say that, oh, let's still run ads on Joy FM, right? And through that ad that you are going to run on Joy FM for the event, you are going to mention that, oh, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram for more updates or for live updates, right? So that's where you have integrated because you want people to also come and follow you on your Facebook and your Instagram because your Facebook and Instagram now has um, tools like live streaming, so, for example, now that you've done your radio ad, you want to go on Facebook and live stream um, anything that is going to promote the events that's coming in the future. So, if you want, let's say, you want to interview um, key speakers who are coming for the event, as part of the promo, you want to, you know, hide the event through live streaming, you can do that. You can do that on Facebook, you can do that on Instagram. 
Let me ask you a question. How how effective now is this this new trend of mm-hmm. interviewing the artists, the speakers that will be on mm-hmm. on the bill, um, right. making short three minute videos of them saying, "Listen, I'm yes. coming to Ghana and I'll be at exactly. this venue. I'll be on this show." Exactly. How effective are those three minute videos, and what about them makes them so effective? It's powerful. I I can't even stress this enough because if you have a speaker coming to your event. Your key speaker also has a Facebook page. They are going to even announce to their 10,000 or 20,000 followers that they are going to be um, speaking during this live streaming event. So they should come to your event page and follow you. So they are bringing their audience and their followers to your event page. And people are going to follow you and people are going to follow the speakers to your event. And you are going to encourage them as the key speaker or as the event um, promoter or creator. You are going to encourage your followers that share this. We are going live soon. So you don't just go live without anyone knowing. You have to give people advanced knowledge that we are going to be live streaming soon. So stay tuned. Once you go live, tell people to share. Start sharing. And sharing is where um, you get the engagement. You get the audience you know, tapping in because you get notifications on your phone that tells you that this event has gone live or this speaker is about to speak soon. Tune in. So it, it, it's like instantly you get people liking, reacting, commenting, and the engaged audience is very, very critical because by live streaming, which is like, you know, it's live as it's happening. I know this guy speaking. I know that this is CDJ or this is this person. I can relate to him. I get excited and I... And I'll start tagging my friends into that live streaming event. So everybody starts getting excited about the event and they prepare for it. So as, as to whether it's effective, yes, it's very, very effective and very powerful. And live streaming is free. So it even makes, it's even a cost-effective method of, you know, promoting your event, you know, to get the, the, the audience that you're looking for to attend, to attend the program. Now, yeah, I want to say a big thank you very much. There's so much more that we can explore, and definitely yes. we'll get you into the studio to break this subject down a bit more as we look at new media technologies and how they are transforming our consumption of media. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you very much. Thank you, Reverend O'Connor. Right, so the thoughts of now, you number one, start early. Number two, integrate your social media and your traditional media. So right there when you are advertising on Joy 99.7, if you want to mention that, follow us on Facebook, Instagram for live updates. The third thing is that the three-minute videos, those short videos are very effective in confirming the attendance of your, your main functionaries and then very, very importantly, drawing their audience in addition to yours to the event. And the last point is that when you are, when you are live streaming, give advance notice of the live streaming so people can be on standby and very importantly ask people to share so that they can tag along and draw people into the program let me cross over to another another person who's very much in this area Kobna Poku he's done so much with events with social media and Kobna knows where to go and what to do to get results Kobna good evening good evening Reverend Thanks for joining us on social media. And I'm going to ask you a very, very difficult one to start. You know, when it comes to you, I won't give you any breathing space. Now, what is the biggest mistake people make in trying to get impact in social media advertising? Um, the biggest mistake in Ghana that people make is um, the type of content they put out on their various um, handles, in social media handles especially. You know, so And they should know that the eyeballs that are looking at content is not just locally most of them are globally right so it's it's for me and everybody will tell you that when it comes to me and social media i always point out what people do wrong in terms of the content they put out and i can give you a typical example i, I would very much like you to explain i want i want our listeners who are sitting at home to get a very clear picture of, of of if you if you want to call it so do's and don'ts because when all is said and done we see wrong content right content what is wrong content is it banku and okra stew what is wrong content what should they not do and what can they do to enhance their profile professionally business-wise what would you suggest okay so <clears throat> sorry Content comes in various forms. Now, when I say various forms, it comes in a form where who is putting the content out, right? How influential is the person who is putting that particular content out? Who is watching that content, right? The person may have started a decision process, and you might put the content out. The person will reverse the decision without even telling you the person, right? Now, if you are a business, 
What are you saying about your business? What are you saying about your brand? How are you packaging your brand and putting it out there? Are you just taking pictures of your brand and dumping it on your social media? Pardon my words, anyway. Putting it on your social media without any sort of um, some, any sort of content which is going to engage me, the, the consumer of that particular brand, you know. Um, <clears throat> typical example, there are a lot of people in Ghana who are now known as, in quotes, socialites and influencers. You know, brands are now not looking at your usual um, uh, celebrity or known person for commercials. They are now turning into onto social media and uh, uh, the digital media space to look for people who are actually engaging their audiences, to look for people who are actually engaging a type of audience who goes with their brand, right, before they take a decision on even where to put their brand and who to uh, 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 represent the brand. They can pick somebody who is not known, but then the person is actually engaging people. And statistics are showing that this person is engaging people. She puts a post out, he or she puts a post out, and she's actually communicating with his or her audience, not just about the likes, the number of likes the person gets, but then how the person is actually engaging that particular crowd. Typical example, I used to work for a particular brand, a very known brand in, in Ghana. Um, I was managing their digital media space for a while. And uh, we had something, uh, a program, where we had a lot of kids coming to that particular program. Now, that brand and their brand philosophy, takes they take the, the child in particular very serious. And anything that represents a bad image of the child, they try not to associate themselves with that particular sort of image, right? Now, they invited a brand influencer to come for this program, right? This brand influencer decided to come along with her friend, who is also very, very influential in the media space, in the entertainment space, and also a socialite. You, you get it. Now, this person decided to take some videos and put it on her Instagram. Right? She was no nowhere near associated with this brand. But then, this same client of mine had other brands for which they were looking at her, right, in future, to represent the brand. The reason why they were doing that was because of her skin. Right? But because she came for this other brand's program, which was more targeted at kids, right, and she took a video of these kids doing some, um, how should I put it, probably an Azonto dance, which for them was not appropriate for kids that age. And their brand, the picture of their brand came on in her shot with the kids right next to the brand, right, doing this dance. And... After the program, I think about three or so hours after the program, I started getting a call. I got a call and a screenshot for this comp- from this company's, uh, uh, one of your global offices in South Africa, saying that, did we put this out there? Did we authorize this? Because it was on this lady's Instagram, and she was at the program that we were part of in terms of the digital media space. So I quickly said, no, she was not the one we invited. We invited somebody else, and that person invited her. So they kindly asked me to ask this person to take the image down from her Instagram and that we're not really associated with kids doing stuff like that next to their brand, this particular brand. So I called this lady and I said in a very polite way that, you know, I mean, for the sake of the brand, can you take the video down? And she said no, it was her space. If they wanted her to take it down, they should pay her and that they can't control her space and all that. So I called my client and I said, well, this is what she's saying. And they said, okay, if she leaves the brand, they tell her that, well, we were actually thinking about using her for this particular brand, and we're going to pay her to represent it. And if she's not going to pull it down, we pull the plugs. Till today, I was speaking to you, Rev. This was about three, four years ago. Till today, she's been blacklisted. Right? 40, so, for, 45, 15 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. And if I'm, if, if I'm tongue-tied, it's because I'm just thinking about the impact of one simple single mistake and how it can affect or stunt your career progress and the most painful thing Kobna, is that you may not even know that you are harming your brand your closing thoughts on this Kobna. your closing thoughts on 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 how the the consumption of media has changed and what you must do to get it right the line is uh was saying that just in a minute, summarize what you think we must do to get it right in terms of engaging with our publics in the right way on social media. Well, okay, so a, a few things that I'll say is that, first of all, the content that you're putting out there 
it doesn't go, I mean, go well with you, the personality, and what sort of audience you are targeting. Because um, if you look at our social media space, and I'll use typical example, somebody like John DeMello commands one of the largest audience in our space. Yvonne Nelson commands one of the largest audience in our space. Now, the thing is that they have fine-tuned themselves in a particular space, right? And people look at them in that particular space, so they have their own audience. Now, the content they are putting out there represents who they are, right? They don't, on social media, you can't say, I have a private life on social media. It doesn't work that way. Everybody is part of your life, right? So it is how you put yourself out there will be how, if a brand is looking for an influencer or they are looking for a brand representative, that's how they will see you. And that's how they will approach things with you. Uh, if you look at Yvonne Nelson, she had an advocacy movement, right? So you had a lot of civil um, um, civil society people, a lot of international media people. Sometimes they even handed over their handles, their Instagram handle. I remember Yvonne Nelson took over the CNN Africa handle, right? And she was doing producing content for those particular handles. So the thing is, when you're putting a content out there, look at the look at yourself, right? Look at what you want to represent. Look at how you want to represent it before you put that particular content there. You can't just wake up in the morning, pick a brush and brush your teeth and say all sorts of things and then put it on your social media handle. Probably a brand which is which likes what you're doing will put you up. But in Ghana, you hardly find that those kind of brands. In Ghana, most brands shy away from controversy. I've had situations where I have recommended a lot of people and I'll get a backlash. It's all, is she still having this controversy surrounding her? If she does, Nah, we are not interested. Right. So I know what I, you know. What you you've, you've you've hit the nail right on the head when you talk about controversy. But I can tell you what we will do this again, and we'll get you into the studio to break this down even further. But let me summarize your thoughts that you shared with us. You said the biggest mistake that people make is wrong content, and the key thing is who is putting out the content, how influential are they, who is watching the content, and you make a point that people can change their minds without you knowing. You think you are doing something that is personal, but somebody is changing their minds. You introduce the idea of socialize or influencers, people who may not be very popular, but who are very connected to the audience they're trying to reach and who therefore have become key stakeholders in the matrix or in the landscape. Now, you talk about the fact that a second degree person, not even the main person, somebody affiliated with you can by their actions cause problems to you. And then you end by saying that there should be alignment between your content and the person and the audience are trying to reach and you have no private life on social media. We definitely must do this again. And we want to say a big thank you to you for coming on the show. Bright. So that's the summary from two people who understand this this game and it's about social media and how much it has changed what we are doing which of the issues is catching your attention is it the social light is it the switching off by people who say we can't associate with this is it wrong content or is it just the fact that from from now your thoughts you need to start early and build alignment between traditional and social what's your pick on these ones so it's the influential bit um so there are two types of influencers, the peer-to-peer influencers uh, who are younger and so appeal to their younger audiences. They may not have the millions of followers, but they are quite also effective when you're appealing to their colleagues. These are many students, they may have 500 followers, but they're very active on social media and they can influence the bigger ones who the bigger brands tend to look out for, have to realize that they are being profiled every time. So we've also worked for brands internationally that have access to look for influencers for them. And we were surprised at the level of scrutiny and profiling that had to go into that before the selection was done. Right. I've, I've, I've heard of people dismissed for what they posted on social media. I've heard of companies pull the plugs on, on, on things that they regard as very sensitive that individuals felt were no big deal. So I'm going to come to you uh, in a minute and, and, and ask you, um, two questions to close. One is about um, if somebody wanted to become an influencer, how can they position themselves? And then two, I'm going to sp- ask you to speak to companies that have zero presence on social media and what they should do. But if you just joined us, this is a discussion about the digital revolution, how new technologies, how emerging trends have transformed various industries. And we've been looking at different industries, and today our focus is on advertising and communication. Bright Lajeku has been trying to help us understand how much the landscape has changed over the years, and we've brought on board the thoughts of Na, Oye, Kumoji, and then Kabna Poku, who have shared some very interesting thoughts 
with us. This discussion is on Joy 997 FM on Facebook and also on Albert N.E. Okran on Facebook. You can you can re-watch this discussion. It's called Presumption. Watch it as often as you like at your convenience and get the major points. If something was left out or something you didn't hear enough, you can watch this again and again and again on social media. But as we wrap up this discussion, we would like to find out, Bright, if somebody says, maybe my, my career could get a turnaround if I could make myself an influencer what should someone do right or what how can someone position themselves if they have a growing reputation how can they push themselves effectively as an influencer so you need to choose a space that you're very comfortable and competent in and make sure that you're consistent in that space and consistency requires that you put out communication, thought leadership, knowledge and information that is relevant to your audiences. It's also important that you, you protect your image and don't be reckless. And you, you may never know who is watching and who may want to tap your influence. So you have to be deliberate about growing your following as well. The psychology of consumption on social media shows that people consume more of what they like. And the algorithms that are behind the social media platforms are designed to serve more of what you like to you every day. So if you choose your space right and you are consistent in delivering the content that you have chosen to deliver in that space, sooner than later... Somebody will find you. Somebody will find you. Right. Let me end with a message. For, let me end with asking you to give a message to... I, I, I was speaking recently to to key stakeholders in a the, in the, in the particular company that said, we don't have presence on social media. Maybe we missed this boat. Um, we should have been on it earlier, but we've just been very absent in this platform. And sometimes when you realize how far behind you are, you, you become frantic. You want to do everything in one day. Just give some some guidelines to a company that wants to begin to establish a presence, what should they do? So they should have the brand identity clear. They should take their time to prepare how they will respond to being on social media. Because many companies are on social media and they don't have the back-end support to deliver the response that social media will require you to, 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 to deliver. Because you are out there. There could be negative feedback how do you respond? How quickly will you be able to respond to that negative feedback? There could be f positive feedback. How do you take advantage of that positive feedback and amplify such positive feedback to the benefit of your brand? So you have to prepare. You have to prepare to outsource properly to a good agency or also build internal capacity in addition to even outsourcing an agency to handle that or a professional to handle that for you. So, yes, you want to jump on, but you have to make sure you understand what goes on and get the right expertise to support you to be able to optimize the opportunity. Let me summarize your thoughts, Bright, on these two very critical questions. And on the issue of becoming an influencer, your five points, choose your space right. If you want to go into motivation, if you want to go into religion, if you want to go into entertainment, choose your area, choose your space right. There are people who have gone through comedy and they've become very key influencers. So it's not really about the, the appropriateness in quotes. It's about where you have a real fit between yourself and that space. So choose your space right. Number two, be consistent in putting content out there based on the space you choose. Number three, there must be relevance. What you put out there must be relevant. Number four, protect your image and don't be reckless. And number five, be deliberate about growing your following. So these are the five tips for anyone seeking to become an influencer. And I'm sure many of you will find this very helpful. And then about companies creating presence, first of all, clarify your brand identity. Who are you as a company? What do you represent? And number two, your back-end support must be critical and available. That means that when people hit you with questions or, or with complaints, it doesn't. It shouldn't sit on your page for, for 24 hours and nobody responds. You might as well not have been there at all. So don't have a situation where people are commenting, people are re-commenting and commenting on the comments and you are still not even there to see it at all. And you can sit there for three days and you don't even know there was a comment on your page. So the back-end support must be real. Number three, outsource a strategy to an expert or an agency. And the final one, build internal capacity.
My guest for tonight has been Bright Lajipahuze, CEO of of PhD Ghana, helping us to understand how media consumption has evolved over the years. Bright, your closing thoughts as we bring the show to an end. Well, the the space we are in, in terms of technology's influence on almost every sector of our economy, including media, advertising, is a space that is like a train that has left <laughs> the station and is not stoppable. Right. There are a lot of inevitables. There is data being collected right now. There is artificial intelligence that that data is fueling. And so you need to prepare for that future, not just three years from now, but think of 15 years from now, the technologies that will take over in advertising, in media, in other aspects of business where automation is actually going to drive efficiencies and be able to make sure that either at the skill level as individuals or at capacity level as companies, you are able to retool and retrain to be able to ensure that you are not left out or left behind. Ensure that you are not left out or left behind. Left behind reminds me of a film that that is so gripping that you just have to watch that film, Left Behind. Bright, I want to say a big thank you to you for joining us and a big thank you to Naoye Kumoji and also for, to Kwabna Poku for being resource persons on this show. We definitely will continue this discussion about the digital revolution. Coming soon to... to a, a, a cinema near you, the digital revolution, how it has changed your industry or your sector. Next, you could continue this discussion and break down another area of endeavor and find out how the digital revolution has transformed it. Let me say a big thank you to Echo Bank, the Pan African Bank, for sponsoring this event. Let me thank MTN for being here with us and making this possible. Let me thank Sewa and Augustine Holm for being support for today's show. And as usual, let me thank the Virtual Academic Board, Comfort, Matthew, Priscilla, and Amos. My name is Albert Okran. God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-2499-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Oh, 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 oh. Searching, searching the light, the light has come.